Do you follow your bank on social? Better still, do you actually trust your bank? Earning trust is the aim of the game for most of them, but most banks can lean on legacy to get that. Challenger banks like Monzo can't. They don't have 100 years of serving the country under their belt. What they do have is a fresh perspective, a convenient product, and a relatable tone of voice. And today we're chatting to the social media manager behind Monzo's content, Richard Cook, to find out what's in their list of things we can talk about, how they make content reassuring and interesting at the same time, and of course, why on earth anyone would want to follow a bank. Yeah, as you know, Monzo is such a clean, well-positioned brand, and it was great to speak to Richard about how this actually translates into their social strategy. In this episode, we'll talk about how to live rent-free in your customers' heads, why verbifying your brand is one of the biggest compliments you can have, and how to avoid tonal whiplash. Richard, thank you so much for joining us today. It's an absolute pleasure to have you here. Uh, Thank you. Thanks for having me. Good to be here. Well, we've got a a big question today for you, as always, and Cal has just said it. he thinks it's his favourite overarching question we've ever asked so far, so it's your lucky day. And uh, the question is, why would anyone want to follow a bank on social? Yeah, it's a it's a good question. And I guess that the answer is like most people probably wouldn't. Uh, <laughs> they're definitely like traditionally a bank is an institution that you'd necessarily like be interested in hearing from unless you absolutely have to. Uh, definitely like in the past, I wouldn't have been super interested in hearing what my bank had to say. But I think like definitely the like new way of banking and like new banking apps and the new sort of banks that have come back in the last few years like, are really embracing social and realizing that social isn't a platform to just like broadcast messages for customers, which is why I think like banking services or financial services have used it for in the past, but really a place to like engage with their audience. So like, the reason like I would follow a bank on social today, other than it being my job to do that, is <laughs> uh, that I think I would get some sort of value out of it. Whether that is like educational content, like helping me understand my money better, whether that's like entertaining content, because I think they're going to make me laugh, or like, I guess, like inspiring content, which is like, show me how I can, you know, manage my money better, or the things I can do with my money, that kind of thing. So like, it's providing some kind of value, I guess, is the reason that you would follow a bank on social today, uh, as opposed to like a few years ago, where there wasn't really a reason to do that. Yeah, it would be to like at them through customer service. Yeah. Like, oh, I guess like customer service is the other big one, right? It's, it's yeah. if you want to complain at them and you think that com- complaining will uh, on social will get you yeah. faster. Answer. Why won't you let me extend my overdraft? Send yeah. tweet. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've definitely like when I banked with my old bank, I uh, was heavily atting them on social when anything went wrong. You'll be relieved to know, yeah, I, I am a follower of Monzo. I, I do love Monzo, Bank with Monzo. I've done for years now. And, and one of the things I loved about the, the bank's probably first communications, really, when it got founded was how simple and relatable it kind of made banking, which was typically quite, you know, stale and formal. And I think it would be quite good to, at the very start of the pod, lay the land a little bit and look at banking as a sector because, you know, it's typically mm. covered in so much red tape for a reason. You know, there's it's big business. So what rules are there about what you can and can't say on social? What are those lines that you can cross, you can't cross? Yes. Or for example, you know, social media managers of FMCG brands, they can cross, but you can't. What are they? Yeah, it was interesting coming into banking from my previous sector, which was like music streaming entertainment where you could kind of get away with almost anything as long as you didn't upset like the artists. So if I wanted like a million retweets, I would just say, check out the new Taylor Swift album. It's the best album ever. That was like, <laughs> that, that, that was a strategy that would work. Uh, whereas in banking, like obviously for very good reasons, it's a highly regulated sector. You know, like we've seen in the past, like in living memory the last 10 years that there's been, you know, the recession and the collapse, the financial collapse that happened, which means that like there are rules around how you can communicate. 
as 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 a financial service, and they are there to you know protect the uh, financial well being of customers, to make sure that like customers are protected, their money is safe, and they're not being like misled and things like that by financial services. So like coming into like banking, I was a little bit uh, there was a bit of an adjustment period of learning like what the rules are, but essentially like it is fairly obvious and not that difficult to work with. The way I would describe it is that you have to I guess like treat customers fairly in your communications, which means being clear in your communications like if there's like hidden fees or uh terms and conditions on something fair so you know making sure that uh people uh eligibility things are are sort of very transparent and not misleading so we can't like basically lie to our customers and i think like those principles are also the principles of like good marketing in general like if you're trying to be unclear unfair or misleading (laughs) (laughs) you're probably doing something wrong anyway there'll be someone out there but i would love to see that feed just what they come up with. <laughs> yeah, like if you're trying to like treat customers badly, then like you're going to treat customers badly. Like we are founded on the principles of, you know, treating customers fairly. Like basically be being, giving you transparency of your money, no hidden fees, basically like a better kind of banking, which means like our brand translates very naturally to like alignment with the regulation because of course we would be clear in our communications because that is our tone of voice. Like we didn't write our tone of voice specifically to adhere to what the regulation is, but it's like there's a natural alignment there in terms of values. All I have to do is like channel our brand onto social and it's the work's already been done. Mm. Uh, there is obviously a lot of um, there's processes and sign-offs and things like that for uh, like what we call like financial promotions. So like if I'm going to promote, you know, the current account or say you should open the savings account or you should take out this lending product, there are rules like, you know, you have to like follow disclaimers and things like this. But also, like a lot of our communications are just like pure brand communications. Where like, if we're just like posting a picture of, I don't know, someone holding a Monzo card and eating an ice cream, that's kind of like it's, it's a bit safer. There's, there's not much guidance on what you can and can't do there, as long as you're sort of sticking to those principles. So yeah, there is process and it is a learning curve. Following it actually makes you do better, better marketing in general. Yeah, that clarity you spoke about there—that's what I mentioned earlier in terms of. Uh, that's what probably wasn't seen beforehand. Banks were seen as this sort of convoluted, really formal process. And that's what I personally really liked when Monzo came on the scene. There are a few other banks now that are taking that sort of approach as well because of, well, because it's it's successful, right? And it's uh, it's appealing to people who want social feed that, like you say, is unfair. Um, <laughs> it, it's not trustworthy. And it's the same with the product. You know, it, it, does, it does go hand in hand. Yeah, and I think like there's kind of a tendency or an expectation with I guess like more legacy banks is like we wouldn't want to seem to be having fun on social or because like people don't people don't see their banks having fun. People like want to like their banks to like be very serious. Serious, yeah. But like I don't think that's true. Like I think like if a, a brand you can relate to is a brand that is I guess relatable, and often that means like memes and like conversation starters and things like that. Like. I don't think anyone's trust is damaged by a brand or a financial service by seeing them like post a meme on social media. I think like if anything, it means like, oh, this this speaks to me. This is like something I can relate to. Mm-hmm. They're speaking literally my language. Uh, they they get me. So yeah, that, that's how like we think about like I guess the risk of having fun on social media is that it's not it's not like obviously there is a line. And like, we wouldn't go as far as some other brands do in terms of like trying to get that engagement. There's like definitely lines we wouldn't cross. And we have like, I've written a whole risk framework about like topics that we will never talk about mm, and like yeah. ways that we won't talk about them. In terms of like just having fun, I think like we, we have total license to do that. Um, I'm glad we do because 
makes my job more fun as well. No, definitely. And I'm glad you mentioned trust there because one thing that occurred to me, I guess, when we were like preparing to speak to you is right um, before I joined the social chain, one thing I was collaborating with the guys on was this big report on Gen Z and banking and sort of looking at the barriers to entry for that demographic and trying to figure out, I guess, like why they weren't being very receptive to banks messaging. Now, this was a handful of years ago. So banks like Monzo have sort of changed that tune since. But at the time, trust was that main barrier to entry, right? So it was very much like your bank wants your money. Don't take, you know, what they're saying on face value. And it wasn't like a a sector or a company that it was very easy, you know, for people to trust. So I want to know how has the state of play changed since then? And if it's not trust, what are the barriers to entry now? I think like trust is still huge. Like it's always going to be for financial services because of like, what is at stake? Asking someone to bank with you is such a different proposition to, you know, buy our smoothie or Mm -hmm. buy our biscuits or something like that. So like trust is always going to be kind of like the, the number one challenge, especially for newer banks. Like we're still competing with banks that are hundreds of years old and they can kind of rely on legacy as a uh, a part of their proposition like we've been around hundreds of years uh was like we we don't have that so like we have to build trust in other ways other than just like longevity in terms of other challenges though like i think it is very much about uh what can we do to get people using our features more like uh, i think monzo especially has a strong product and it's almost like sometimes things we uh you can do with monzo like they're not the basic banking features so like like even something like having a pot where you can put your money that is like very powerful concept right because it means like it gives you the visibility gives you control it lets you like save it lets you do budgeting like there's a lot you can do with that but like that's kind of a new idea right like that's never like really existed in sort of legacy banking before so there's almost a challenge there and just like modernizing banking you kind of have to like lift the whole sector at once like bring everyone like up to scratch with the idea of modern like mobile banking which is a challenge in itself as well as just telling people who we are that they should trust us as in the same way that like spotify had to familiarize people with the idea of like music streaming as the new model opposed to music ownership the challenge for us is quite kind of like embrace uh, getting people to embrace mobile banking as a kind of like way of doing things if you've had like branches you can walk into and talk to someone for hundreds of years that is like quite a challenging concept yeah, to, yeah. To, to, to the wider like i guess like the, the full population as like because you're right like gen z and like younger demographics they'll, they'll get it instantly everything's an app right mm-hmm. but if you're you know like like an, an older user and you've always had branches and mobile banking is unknown to you that is like the added like obstacle in, in our way almost that's interesting then because when that report was done it was it was gen z who were like not trusting challenger banks um and it was actually because their parents were in their ears like they were still of that yeah, like we're teenagers that. their parents were in their ears going that doesn't sound legit don't do that um and that was a massive factor but now they're like autonomous with their money and they're like, do you know what, if it's convenient, I'm doing it. I was the way it. around. I was like, so it's probably like three or four years, maybe it's a bit more, you know, mum and dad get on online banking and it's like, this is amazing. I'm like, I'm selling it to them. And like, mm, yeah, but I still want to talk to someone. I want to walk in. Where's their actual shops, et cetera. Now they're absolutely loving it. They're coming to me, really? like, sending, yeah, like transfers <laughs> and all sorts. And it's like, they, they love it now, but it, it was kind of opposite, the opposite good. way that the parents were convincing that it wasn't right in that study where I was kind of the opposite of saying to my mom, this is amazing. <laughs> this is the way forward. <laughs> yeah, it's that like weird kind of like growth you go through, right? Where where your first customers are your, those like leading edge early adopters who just like instantly get it. And like, they're so on board and like, they're basically the people that helped us grow in the early days, like our, our engaged community who like absolutely love us. And You're welcome, Richard. 
no problem. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. Um, and then, yeah, like they helped spread the word and like that got, kind of got us to where we are today. And like, the next challenge for us, yeah, is the, the next like 50 million people. <laughs> like how do you get them to like, how, how, how do you grow in that kind of audience where there's much more, um, not resistance, but like inertia in banking? We, we say a lot internally, like people get divorced more often than they switch bank accounts. Mm. I think that's true. How do you like convince people to do something that is perceived as such a big life event, even though, you know, like solutions exist, like the current account switching service that make it very easy, even like there's still this like kind of, yeah, but I'm not going to, I don't want to change my bank because it's going to be a faff. It's like, well, it's not even yeah. a faff anymore, but. It'd be interesting to see that now with, um, you know, I, th- I think the big thing with Martin Lewis banging on every week about it as well, yeah. about the interest rates. He's like, you know, open every bank account under the sun, do this, do that. And I would be interested to see if that changed because people are getting more money savvy. There's no doubt about that. And, you know, if you can eke out an extra couple of quid a month, I think you people are doing What Halifax is doing, do you know what? Those adverts still stick in my mind. The Halifax guy, and it was like, we'll pay you £100 oh, pounds if you switch. And they had that whole, like, song and, like, dance number. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's something in there about, like, loyalty to banks or financial services and like now it's easier than ever to open up multiple bank accounts or um you know there's an app for everything as well like if you want Mm. to have an app just for you know buy now pay later or 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 loans or something like that like you can kind of like pick and choose so like it is like a more crowded marketplace and like we're very aware of that uh, and our places that are yeah so trust is obviously one of the barriers to entry there, as we mentioned, and then kind of like you're moving with the time. So as Eve mentioned, you know, Gen Z, maybe not trusting the app, but taking it back to the social media strategy then mm. and, and, and what you're doing on socials, what is the objective for, for brand building on there? Is it to convey this trust? Is it share a voice in the market or, or drive more customers to the app? Because I think a lot of people would say, you know, well, if, even if you have a quick look at the feed, Monza's concept's great. It's really fun, really bright, really colourful. But what's the reason behind that for the brand yeah i look after primarily the organic side of social media for monzo which means i don't have to worry too much about uh conversion or anything like that if you ask me like what do i use social media for at monzo it's it's much more like top of funnel stuff it's like awareness mm-hmm. the success for me looks like we're posting loads we're making loads of noise our content is being shared we're going viral sometimes you can't, can't count on it but the like, share of voice being one of the objectives there yeah just like being visible and being like kind of front of mind and that kind of, um, you know, being the byword for like money sending. Like mm. it's like not something we would like necessarily try to make happen. You know, when someone's like, oh, just monzo me that later. Like monzo me a tenner. Like it's if we can kind of- It's like Hoover. You know, yes. who, you know, because Hoover's not a word, right? It's vacuum cleaner. But Hoover, Dyson. It makes me think I'm Ma- American. Hoover. Is, it, is Hoover American? No, vacuum's well, American. It, you know, I'll, I'll Google it. You're not going to Google it. it. You're going to internet search it. Yeah, but yeah, Almonzo it yeah, is is becoming a phrase. Yeah, it really you're is. Right, it is. It really is. Yeah, like to me, like that, that kind of like verbification of your brand mm. is like kind of like a success, uh, not metric, but like it's a symptom of success. Like you've kind of built a successful brand if people associate your brand with the thing, and like that, that's like that's kind of what we're trying to achieve. Is just like o- occupying, living rent free in people's heads, mm-hmm. <laughs> in the sense <laughs> of like being like the, the brand people think about when they think about like uh banking or online banking and sending money to people and stuff like that so yeah our objectives are very much around reach impressions engagement like really simple stuff but there's also like a secondary kind of like objective within the content which has like changed over time around like kind of like brand love or like what the message is we're trying to achieve and so in the past that was very much just like fun make people like us you know build that brand love do memes that like entertain people give people reason to like laugh and smile or whatever share it but like increasingly, we're thinking a lot about like our role in terms of providing 
I guess, like financial education. Mm-hmm. Because like as a financial service uh, and as a bank on a mission to make money work for everyone, we feel strongly that we have like a responsibility to make sure that uh, we're not just providing a great service and customer service, but also like uh, providing great education and information to help you manage your money better. And like, obviously, our social media channels are a great way to do that because they are like a great kind of publishing platform for content. So like we're increasingly doing kind of like guides on how to like manage your money or like user stories of people who have like used Monzo features to get out of debt or, 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 you know, save up for a holiday for the first time. So like there's a kind of like brand mission within our social as well, which is like improve people's financial well-being through content that helps them like manage their money better, essentially. It's that educational bit that is like kind of the new bit that we're, we're starting to think about more. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think that in itself, like that strategy answers um, a barrier to entry that's happening right now, which is obviously that sort of financial insecurity um, that's, you know, just a sign of the times really, isn't it? So meeting that need, I think, and being just having an ear to the ground in terms of like society and being empathetic towards what you know the customers are going through is um, yeah, really important thing to do. What I'm keen to get into, I mean, I hope our listeners know by now that just because a business is in like a corporate or banking sector that the content itself doesn't have to be boring or corporate but Richard how do you guys how exactly do you communicate that really important information and keep it clear and make sure it's understandable for your customers whilst also ensuring that it's still engaging in people's social feeds I think the most important thing for achieving that is speaking your customers language I think the worst thing you can do is talk down to your audience or speak to them in a way that feels like a corporate communication. Mm-hmm. Uh, like we, we are very close to like what our customers are saying about us. You know, we do a lot of social listening to collect mentions of Monzo and like analyze how people refer to us. And we try and reflect that language back to them as much as possible. Whether that is like literally using customer tweets or user generated content like as content like literally just like screenshotting a tweet and putting it on instagram there's like a tried and tested that always works kind of uh strategy or just like making sure that the things we talk about in our in our content are aligned to the things that people talk about when they talk about monzo i think that's mm-hmm. really really key is is staying relatable and staying like on the pulse of how people actually think about us and it comes down to like the language we use like we have a tone of voice guide which is very much rooted in sounding like a real person you know, mm-hmm. like so many like communications you get from, I don't know, you'll get an email from your uh, state agent. It's like, oh, due to market conditions, we are applying a rent increases being applied to your account in accordance with, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's like, oh, my rent's going up. Okay. Like, I think the language we use yeah, is so important. Yeah, you can just say your rent's yeah. going up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, that's like, that is our tone of voice already. So, it, like, it makes talking to uh, people on social like yeah. easier because we don't have to, like, we, 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 like, we sound like a real person. We sound like we belong on the platform, I think. And, like, we try to create content that looks like it belongs in your feed. So, we recorded with Vicky Ross recently, who, if you don't know her, she's like a tone of voice copywriting extraordinaire. Yes, she's great. Yeah. Yes, amazing. Everyone should follow her. Um, and she said to us that obviously all good copywriting means speaking uh, to your audience in their language. So, for example, like KFC, um, like speaks in admin. It's someone who like just loves fried chicken and is like <laughs> waxing poetic about fried chicken all the time, um, just like the audience. But then Vicky said that that rule doesn't always apply for certain sectors. So, for example, 
hospitals like their patients don't want memes like they need medical information and that's something that like where you want to be reassured in those instances like it can come across a little bit inappropriate perhaps so they're looking for that expert voice of authority to reassure them now I'd wager traditionally that banking would be quite similar and that it might make you lose trust a bit if that bank is talking like a student who's in their overdraft <laughs> um, like surely you want to hear from someone who can get you out of their overdraft but Monzo seems to be disproving that so I just wanted to get your opinion on that theory in general and see sort of what the playbook is for you guys when it comes to that tone of voice this is the debate we're constantly having internally it's like in our team are we getting it right what we don't want is to like come across as like a perpetually broke millennial which yeah. I think would be the danger of like trying to be too relatable all the time yeah like, you the don't truth want Monzo that, to be like the bank for broke people do you <laughs> yeah and like that is like a risk you would face if like all your content was always oh I've got no money this month or mm-hmm. like oh it's you know when's payday gonna arrive especially like at the moment when like the cost of living crisis exactly, is, is yeah. happening. You don't want to be like, going too far the other way though, do you? you know, in be the like, cost of you know, living crisis exactly. and be like raking yeah. it in because yeah. everyone will be like shut the hell up. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a real balance and like this is like every single post we kind of like have a debate about this and it's like, well, are we are we reflecting the way that people actually feel and use their accounts? And like we're very careful about that. Like when we show uh, like screenshots of the app and stuff, we, we, we think a lot about the figures that we show like we don't want to show someone on like a really high income in our examples because people wouldn't relate to it and they tell us in the comments they go that is i wish i was doing that much so like mm. we have to be very careful but also yeah like if you oscillate too far the one way you're like being almost like over relatable and untrustworthy you're going the other way people can't relate to it in terms of like, the actual principles we use it's like it's, it's not something we really have a playbook for we have the things that we don't talk about but like this is more a conversation of like uh what is our brand persona on social and it's like it's evolving really we kind of have to be sensitive to the times so like during the cost of living crisis like we we've stopped making a lot of the uh like jokes and memes that we would have done before about like struggling to pay or not having enough money for something because it doesn't feel right whereas like hopefully when things are good again we can start doing our you know rooftop drinks with the with the boys memes or whatever (laughs) i think that's the right that's the right um angle to take definitely as well like another thing Vicky Ross said to us I'm never going to stop quoting her I'm like, you what. <laughs> but she said it was in the Real Talk report that we also talked to Twitter about that basically surveyed a bunch of Twitter users like a lot of them from eight different countries and they all said they expect brands to evolve their tone with the times which is essentially just what you've described so mm. uh, no matter the persona like you can still like keep your integrity there but it's like down to the actual topics yeah you just have to sort of know what's going on and, and be um, considered of that i'm curious to know though you mentioned that sort of risk factor framework topics you don't talk about are you allowed to share any of those with us things that you just absolutely don't go near yeah i mean it's fairly like obvious stuff like we we, we try and stay away from politics like religion like the, like kind of like the big dinner table the polarizing uh, topics yeah yeah just like we we know those are the ones where people would like get very uh, could could get very upset and like mm-hmm. especially with its uh when you're a bank People want to align themselves with like your, I guess, your values. And so there are definitely like areas that we could go into where, you know, say we like, we would never do this, but like, say we like came out in support of a political party. That'd be like kind of a very bad idea because. Well, yeah, that 50% like, of the country just loses trust like that, really. don't they? So. Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, there are like social issues that we do, we do have a stance on. Like we have, um, you know, we, we've come out in support of like our trans customers before and things like mm-hmm. that, which shouldn't even be an issue, but like it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's having a stance on something. So yeah, it's, 
the 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 risk policy is is there to make sure we we don't we don't stray into the wrong areas. But it's all fairly like obvious stuff. It just means that our risk appetite on social is lower than like other brands. They're definitely yeah. brands that like like to poke the bear a bit, and they kind of revel in the kind of like notoriety that you can get, especially like yeah. brands with like a sassier tone of voice that are like are happy to like criticize their customers a little bit more. I, don't <laughs> I think... wonder who we're talking about. Here. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know who these brands are. Uh, I, I hear they're out there, but uh, yeah, like there's something. There's a different feel when it is your travel company of choice doing that com- compared to. Your bank being your like bank, yeah, or your hospital. You yeah. But I tell you yeah. what, I've I've worked with a lot of brands who um, might have that sort of happier, sassier tone of voice, and they might sell something like extremely inconsequential to your life, like it's not as important as a bank. It's literally like a fun luxury that you know you buy off a shelf. Who still want to stay away from politics, race, sex, gender, etc. Um, because those topics are just yeah. can be extremely yeah. polarizing. I find it so interesting because we also hear, we read in reports that like uh, consumers increasingly want to see brands taking stances on things, right? Like I've read that before. They like, do, from- yeah. But if that stance isn't the consumer's stance, they will hate yeah. it and they will hate you. So it's it's a, it's a really tricky one to balance. And like there's so few brands I see doing that. Like Ben and Jerry's do that a lot. They'll, they'll tweet yeah. in like support of like some mm. social thing. And everyone's like, why? Why You're an ice cream company. Why? Like, sure like yeah. thanks like I, I quite like the way Ben sometimes. and Jerry's do it though actually because I think that even though I, I get a little bit sick to the back teeth of like constant like do good or CSR messaging from brands because I kind of love the funny stuff um, I do like the fact that Ben and Jerry's are doing a lot behind the scenes which gives them the reason to talk about that that they are actually doing stuff as well My, yeah. like the worst thing is when they're just talking for the sake of it yeah I guess like they do actually have the values to back it up. Like they've always been kind of like pro environment and things like that. So it does make more sense as opposed to like your company that sells screwdrivers to the brands that like are are worried about wading into these things. Like I think at the end of the day, no one's really going to like. Why, why is my screwdriver company not talking about this war? You know, like yeah. it's like yeah, you're yeah. never really going to be like called out for not publicly coming out and saying something about a topic that isn't very risky. Silence is always an option, and like. This year, we've we've learned that a lot. There's been a lot of times, you know, it's been a, it's been a hard year. There's been a lot of times on social where we've we've pressed the pause button, and like that's been the right call. I mean, like it's been hard for uh, you know my team and my goals because we rely on being able to post and make noise. But like it's like silence is sometimes the the correct option for a brand on social. We talked about uh, copywriting a little bit there, and I think I'm kind of staying on that uh, same line of questioning. So looking at kind of more jovial stuff like we mentioned there uh having fun but then also looking at some of the more serious stuff i.e yeah, the, the csr stuff that we mentioned there i find it interesting how you get the balance there so like you could be talking uh, like you said about the rooftop and the boys one moment but then you might need to put out like a legal bank message so getting the balance there it's literally a flick of the switch right you know you but you cannot be two different people because I've seen it actually with betting companies, you know, they talk, they like almost like social commentary on football, football, football. And then uh, at half time, they'll be like, uh, if the, if it gets too much, stop. Or when the fun stops, stop. And it's like, well, you, it's just so jarring. It's just like, it's, it's so obviously, you know, you either have to, you've, you've got a kind of gun to your head to, to get it out or it's a legal requirement to get it out. So how do you get the balance between those two? Do you tone down the serious stuff to a certain level or do you then get less serious in the build-up? How do, like, how do you get around that? Yeah, great question. Uh, the, the last thing you ever want on your feed is like tonal whiplash, I think. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and nice. def- there's definitely like 
cases where, yeah, we've been posting memes and stuff and that we've had to like change tag and post something very serious. And that is, that is, that is a challenge. The ways that we would tackle that and like, first of all, planning ahead as much as possible. Like if we know something's coming up, we will try and, you know, in our content calendar, make sure there's no clash, make sure like, well, we probably shouldn't do this very serious thing the, very, the same day as this very trivial thing. Mm-hmm. So like clash management in advance as much as possible is, is, is one way to avoid that. But yeah, like when stuff just comes up, I guess it's just like doing the best you can and working with the teams internally. Like everyone, everyone internally at Monzo is super aligned on like uh, the Monzo way of doing things and what our tone of voice should be. So it's very rare that like we there's some message or something we have to communicate in a way that would feel jarring to our usual mm-hmm. tone. Like, yeah. do you think that's writing- one benefit of in-house actually? Because you're all there around the table and you can like sort of agree on it. Whereas yeah. sometimes like, I spend a lot of time like reassuring clients and be like it's okay to stay in tone of voice while you're talking about this serious thing like let's work through it together it's so great just to have like our yeah like our writing team like go over to them and be like hey we, we've got to put this like more serious message out can you help us put an emoji in it or whatever it is <laughs> to make it a little bit more monzo sounding and like mm-hmm. that works like we've communicated like uh difficult messages before or like uh when i don't know a uh a company has gone bust and that like, we've had to sort of help to help our affected customers like that's a more serious message but thankfully we have this tone of voice that is quite malleable i guess mm-hmm. so it works yeah. very well for the fun situations but like the clarity and like reassurance that brings works really well for the more serious situations so yeah, it's never definitely. like we're going from like sassy extreme thing to like extremely serious thing it's more like yeah. kind of like mm-hmm. shape shifting in the moment, um, which never feels like two different companies or two different voices. It's one voice, it's like different registers almost. Yeah, I mean the reason I asked is just because, yeah, like I say, when, when you see it so jarring on someone's feed, like the mm. sentiment on it typically tends to be quite bad because you see them going, you know, oh, you've had to post that, or you know, that's so, you know, it just doesn't work. I think. Looking at Monzo, like like I say, you, you do get it right. I see a lot of, uh, you know, like the notification that tells you how much you spend. I always get a bit of a shock when I see I've spent like 270% more than last month or something like that. But then, you know, people <laughs> will post that, tag you in. And I was trolling yeah. through a few comments and... Uh, you see it on Twitter, don't you? People are like, thanks, Monzo. Yeah, I'd, I'd <laughs> rather not hear this, that. Monzo. Yeah. Obviously, it's tongue-in-cheek, but like, what's the sentiment on that? And is that, are you willing to embrace that uh, with UGC, for example, you know, just to get that sort of, um, yeah, communication? Yeah, I love that stuff. It's like gold dust. <laughs> that kind of like, in like that really precious balance of like self-deprecating and funny, uh, like it's kind of like negative towards yourself around your spending. And like we've we kind of embrace that. Uh, like when people we get so many mentions of Monzo uh, towards Monzo being Monzo stop time much on spending, and like in a way that like is clearly joking. Does that come through when you when you're measuring sentiment? Does it register as negative even though it's like not? Yeah, yeah, because it's like Monzo shut up, Monzo leave me alone. I hate <laughs> yeah. Monzo, and it's like it breaks our like sentiment analysis. And it's yeah. like really annoying. Um, like, how do you sentiment analysis, like, self-deprecation? Sentiment it's analysis like, is going to become redundant, mark my words, in five years, because Gen Z are so, like, sarcastic. sarcastic yeah. 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 When your yeah. audience is, like, drenched in irony and sarcasm, like, mm-hmm. how do you, what do you do with that? Um, but we make it work. Like, we embrace it and, like, you know, we'll use the we'll use it as user-generated content because it's it's relatable. It's, like, it comes back to what I was saying about speaking your customer's language. Like, if they're, yeah. like, joking about, like, Ugh, I hate being told how much I'm spending. We can use that. Like it's funny. It's it's funny in itself, mm-hmm. but it's also like subtle stealth 
product messaging because it gets across the idea that like Monzo tells you how much you're spending. Monzo sends you instant notifications yeah, like as you spend. It's like educating on the product as well. I was going to ask yeah. about that because I think like some brands won't just have certain areas that they won't entertain at all for like reputation's sake. And a lot of it comes down to like, we can't have the product being seen in a negative light or whatsoever. Uh, so tend to like even like shy away from things like that. But are you like cool with like embracing that through UGC and like, you know, like it's actually just educating about the product. Yeah. So we, we, in previous years, we ran a campaign called Year in Monzo, which mm. was kind of like, you know, the Spotify wrapped campaign, a very similar model where we basically presented back to you your spending habits in the last 12 months. And mm -hmm. Like you spent 120 pounds at McDonald's and you went like 20 times. Like <laughs> that kind I of stuff. I remember that. I, I remember yeah, yeah, that. Yeah. But like that campaign relied very much on the, uh, that mechanism of people complaining or like self-deprecating because we would show them how much they spent at, I don't know, Pret this year. And they would screenshot it. Great. And like tweet it and be like, oh my God, I spent, like, I'm the worst. Thanks for ruining my Pret life. I think Pret was trending. <laughs> uh, so you all know something was trending because of the, the reviews. Yeah. We, well, we did like last year, we did a slightly different version where we looked at like aggregate spending behavior rather than like personalized. And we like did the like Greg's Pret divide in the UK. So like, oh, I love where, like, that. Uh, uh, I love data led campaigns yeah. like Wrapped and the way that like, obviously like the inspirations come from Wrapped. You can see that, but it's not a copycat. Like it's very unique to Monzo's customers, users, products. And I absolutely love that. I think it's a great campaign. Yeah. My favorite uh, content to do is kind of like data led stuff because like we have so much like data like the transaction mm -hmm. data and things like this like and that is so rich for storytelling like when the uh, lockdowns ended we could like literally chart like the pubs opening up again like we did content around that mm -hmm. like you can really like tell the story of the year through through data and like yeah blending that with memes was like a very successful thing we did last year uh yeah it's so rife for content isn't it i just think people love like hearing about themselves and like getting to see like those like commonalities and like getting to like be roasted and be like put on blast or exposed that way i think <laughs> yeah it's like such a great way to get people involved as well yeah so the the kind of tapping into like the those relatable things that we all have in common uh the self-deprecation element it's like you know it makes people feel like they're part of a uh i guess like they're not just on their own. It's they're part of a, uh, we're all in this together. And like, yeah. we would tell people like, you're in the top 3% of McDonald's people this year. And they'd be like, oh my God, like, it's so that is out. something to brag about. Like, you know, they're going to like put <laughs> that in their bio and be like, this is my identity now. And uh, they'll yeah. run with it. So oh, yeah, yeah, everything in the campaign was like optimized for like social sharing and mm -hmm. that screenshotted and stuff like that. So yeah, it was quite tactical as well. No, I absolutely love that. Another thing that I love from you guys, I've been watching, um, doing a bit of research, been watching your marketing meetup webinar that you did with Joe, lovely Joe, who we've had on Social Minds before. Um, mm. And in it, you said something that stuck with me, which was that behind every B is a C. So can you tell us a bit more about that? Is that the philosophy at Monzo or are they your personal words to live by? Yeah, I think it's just like something I've said a few times uh, when asked about how businesses should talk to like, other businesses and to customers uh like specifically like when it comes to b2b marketing i think there's like a real tendency to forget the human yeah. and like speak in like, like, boring to, like boring <laughs> yes point to boring. uh like corporate language and like tone of voice goes out the window because it's just like oh we're just like marketing our enterprise solution and it's like uh, yeah i know it's like i think if you can be a business that speaks the uh, like to, to the humans behind other businesses mm -hmm. and like definitely like when we're, when we're speaking as Monzo, like uh, through, our, through our social marketing, so the tone is always like, there's a human that wrote this. 
and like that comes across in the tone, but also like the, the the assets we show. I think keeping humanity at the heart of marketing is is really important. Otherwise, yeah. it just like it's just an exercise for I don't know who like corporate robots maybe like Everyone. that's kind of like <laughs> yeah how I think about it. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. So, which B two C brands then do you take inspiration from? Yeah, this is interesting because you would think that like oh our social team like we're looking at like other banks and financial services, and obviously we are. Like we look at our competitors and we're interested in like how our closest you know companies are are using like other channels. But like our, our inspiration like is much more like retail brands. Like we're obsessed mm-hmm. with like uh, you know the KFCs, Specsavers, Burger Kings, like kind of those like lifestyley brands a bit more and how they use social. Like brands that like really get how to speak to their audience. And there's like definite winners for those on each channel. Like uh, Innocent being like the king of Twitter and like. Uh, Uranus and uh, Duolingo for TikTok. So like it's kind of like the obvious and like the you know the usual suspects. But I think like the interesting thing for us is like thinking like how thinking like they think, which is growing an audience and speaking to that audience in their own language, rather than looking like horizontally across our own uh, industry and being like, yeah, what what is best practice for finance? Because like obviously that, that is interesting to us. What's much more interesting to us is like. How do you actually use social to, you know, achieve awareness and, and brand love and stuff like that? Yeah, so, yeah no, like, definitely. Yeah, for me, it's just like the people that are smashing it like on a consistent basis, which we all know. <laughs> yeah, the interesting is that when you ask those brands that you've just listed who they look to for inspiration, it's like influencers and creators. So there's a bit mm-hmm. of a pipeline there. Uh, a bit of advice for anyone listening, I think, from those brands. Creators and influencers are probably where a lot of that um, insight is coming from, looking at how they use the platforms and how they speak to their audience. Then yeah. that gets adapted through a brand lens and <laughs> the cycle goes on. We did a really interesting piece of research recently, which was uh, now we're thinking much more about educational content. We were interested to see who is doing educational content really well and who can we learn from. And like, we struggled to come up with examples from the brand world of like people that do really good educational content. Like it's pretty like high level and like not very actionable and not very like, you know, never shows you the thing they're talking about often. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like when we looked at influencers and creators, we found like, I guess like Martin Lewis is a great example. Like he's like essentially the world's, well, the UK's biggest finance influencer. Uh, and like he's like amazing at social like he's very good at speaking in a language that the entire country Mm. can understand like no matter like status or creed or what have you yeah so like looking to influencers and creators for like that kind of content is is definitely like on our radar as well oh definitely if you're looking for inspiration fyi adobe on tiktok I think okay. are smashing it right now. A bit of a shout out for the See, Adobe guys there. That one down there. Uh, no, they're absolutely smashing <laughs> it when it comes to educational like video content that's still fun oh. to watch. Um, I've been okay. getting them served through paid. They might be on organic as well, but definitely check those out. Well, talking of uh, brands smashing it, we wanted to end on uh, kind of putting you front and center as well, putting you in the spotlight. So a bit of a chance for you to talk about your best work, I, I, I presume. So what's the campaign or a piece of content from Monza that you think is the best example of, of the brand you're trying to build on social? Uh, what's what's at the very front and center of your kind of best bits portfolio, would you say? Um, so we recently did a, a campaign uh, working with our press and PR team around the extra cost of um, living with ADHD and how like the impact that has on your finances. And like it's a bit of a departure from our usual like social content. Mm-hmm. It's not like memes. It's not like necessarily trying to be entertaining or relatable. It was very much like a educational uh, awareness raising piece around you know we've done this research. We found that like 
if you live with ADHD, like you spend like thousands of pounds more a year because of not cancelling subscriptions or forgetting about payments or all these kind of things. And like how much harder that makes life. Like I, I pull that as an example because it's like a very clear example of us translating our brand mission, like making money work for everyone into, into social content. Because we're showing like, if you, if these are your circumstances, these are the ways in which like money management can be difficult. I'm like, we also used it as an opportunity to talk about ways you can use Monzo to help. So even just using pots to get more visibility on your money or getting um, notifications as you spend. So you're like, mentally, you can keep track of how much you're spending, how like Mm. impactful these things can be. And we were able to bring in like user stories and testimonials to sort of tell those stories, bring them to life by people saying, I live with ADHD. I find money, I find money management more difficult than most people for these reasons. Here's what I do to make it better. It's like, it was a very wholesome campaign and like, I was really proud that we were able to like tell that story and do that research and like get people aware and talking about this as a nice sort of departure from our day-to-day like always on content. I think it was without it being jarring, you know, from Yeah, like what it we just like and it sort of flowed naturally from like what we do every day, which is like getting people talking about money. Like it's it's people think that British people are uh, afraid to talk about money, or there's like a <laughs> stigma around talking about money. Yeah. But like as we, we know, like as soon as we do a conversation starter, like what is the smallest amount of money you've ever asked someone back? We'll get like 300 replies like straight away. Like people are up for talking about money. He's got to give them the platform to do it. And uh, that's what you we're trying to do. You owe me 20p. I yeah, hate like, those people. Like, yeah, like please reply to our conversations. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love that. I love that campaign. I love that piece of work. Things like Monzo's products do help. And I think things like Monzo's content, talking about Monzo's products, um, is just another example of how, you know, you're making that topic so accessible for everyone. So definitely... Um, multiple channels that all our listeners should check out and Richard thank you so much for coming to speak to us today um, really enjoyed that chat cool thank you so much thanks for having me you know what Eve I absolutely loved that episode <laughs> it was a good one it was a good yeah. one I think um, yeah Richard did well I sometimes do think that social media managers because they live the brand so much everything about him seems so clear concise easy to follow and that's exactly how I would describe Bonzo. Yeah, definitely. Which is great. <laughs> that's, so, why they've um, got the, that's why they're so good. They've got the USP just down. It's like they're, they're living it, they're breathing it. Yeah. And I love brands, you know I mean? I love brands who have their shop in order. You know, there's no unnecessary process or anything like that. And that comes across even even down to the, the social media strategy. You know, they want to be clear, concise, come across mm. as fun. And the question asked about, you know, jarring, that is a hard, hard question well, one to answer, but two to actually get right. Yeah. Um, because there are things by law that you have to tweet, you have to put up these comms, and they are so formal. And when you're a brand that's quite jovial in the comms and quite fun, that jarring nature of it is, I mean, it's just it just ruins all sorts of feeds. It's not very nice. So for them to find a way around that and get it right and be so clear in the way that they're going to get it right through planning and then start ramping up a little bit more serious pop it in and then come back down to a bit more jovial really really smart I thought. well he did say that they're evolving their tone with the times yeah. like very reflective of what's going on obviously right now with the cost of living crisis mm. and also just the fact that finance is a very meaty topic at the moment i think it's nice that they're just being very like conscientious of that yeah 
yeah, and you can really see it in like the day-to-day comms or like the difference between like putting out a meme, but then also doing those wider pieces about, you know, spending or like managing your money if you've got ADHD and things like that. Yeah. Um, I think they're just a lot more real than we are used to seeing from banks. You know, one thing that he mentioned then was obviously they can't rely on like 150 years of legacy serving the country to earn that trust. But what they're doing instead is I think a much more refreshing take on it. I'm a bit sick of uh, hearing that from banks like, we've been by your side for the last hundred years and we'll be by your okay, side for the next hundred years. <laughs> I think probably. it's better <laughs> for them to be like ear to the ground, be like, okay, what's a, a big thing at the minute is uh, a lot of people finding out they've got ADHD. Mm. A big thing of that is you are going to be poor with spending and money management. What can we do? We can educate, we can help people with that. We've got mm. products that answer that. I think that's instead of telling people we're holding your hand they're literally just doing it right through that content which i think is um much more interesting and much more exciting and much more useful yeah absolutely and i found the the trust thing interesting as well like i said there are certain the varying degrees of trust so um i would say my gen our generation eve I love anything new and shiny. So when Monzo comes out, I'm like, bang, I want it. I don't care if it's like not been regulated. I'm like, I'm there. You don't care if it's not been regulated. Granted, look, I won't go and put all my money in it, but I will definitely be there and I'll try it out. And I don't really like, I'm not really too, you know, I just want to be there and see it and, and be a part of that. And, and Monzo was great at the very, very start and it still is now. But that's, like I said, I'm a little bit naive with stuff like that. I'm a little bit slower to trust, I think, just when it, when it comes to like money. Like, I, so I used to bank with HSBC. They kind of screwed me over. I did not trust them, don't like them. And I didn't trust banks for a while after that, genuinely. I'm with NatWest now and I have Monzo on the side for like mm. extra thing, like to watch yeah. my spending a bit more. I love NatWest. I, I really do trust them. I think the app was a big part of that for me because mm. it's so convenient uh, and they are so helpful and the whole thing is just like super easy to use. And that does help with trust. And I think that's like the whole ethos that Monzo has been built on. Yeah, I would like to see Monzo's demographics actually obviously it's going to be younger but i do think i think it's getting older well yeah we're getting older (laughs) (laughs) but um i do think even though the tone because the tone's so simple it would be a bigger shock for people in older demographics to sort of relate to it like we say with the trust sort of thing but if they can get over that and get used to that it's actually super simple for different folks right though so even if they do have like some users that are like 45 they might not be on Twitter talking to Monzo looking at Monzo there mm. but if they're taking that app. same like approach so like that data lab cam- campaign for example that yeah. was inspired by Spotify wrapped if they did what Spotify rap did for that and like put the data on the billboard it's like universal like uh, Britain's spending this much on Greg's and this much on Pratt that relates to anyone no matter your age but it's still yeah. getting that ethos and still getting that personality across Absolutely. I think you just meet them in a different place in a different platform maybe they don't you know an older generation don't want all the bells and whistles they just want an app that's simple to use and Monzo couldn't get any more simple it's, yeah. uh, it's, it's perfect for that I'd say it's the best in, in category this is a Monzo um, ad <laughs> well, yeah they were singing praises but it's just like I say it just came from the chat everything was so easy flow with Richard and like I say that comes that's he is literally a personification of the brand everything's so simple to oh, use oh that's high praise that was although one of my favourites just in terms of the flow I think it's just a great conversation loads of good learnings in there and uh, some little gems at the end in terms of who you can look out for on social mm-hmm.